I'm glad to say that I'm one of them. Glad to be at camp meeting today. So good to see all of y'all here and uh, enjoying the spirit of the Lord with us. And uh, I I think I told Jeff this, but uh, a week or two, something like that, right before camp meeting, a businessman came in our office and I don't service this particular man's account, but I know him from passing over the years. And uh, he's, I talked to him there for a minute. He had, had knee surgery and stuff, so we had a small chat there for a second in the hallway. And I said, uh, yeah, I hear Jeff's doing some work for you now. He said, yeah, I'm talking. He said, and he, he's going to camp meeting. I said, yeah. well, I am too. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad to be at camp meeting. Amen. And uh, so where are you going to spend your time, effort, and money? I've like to spend my time, effort, and money in the right service here. of the Lord. Yeah. Right here right. at camp meeting. And it's been such a blessing to my soul. Yes. Somebody mentioned to me at breakfast this morning that camp meeting's 80% over or whatever. But I guarantee you, if I were to tell you that we were going to have a two-day revival, we're going to have eight services in two days coming up on a certain time, and we were only in the second service of eight days on eight meetings in two days, you'd be just as excited as you could be. Amen. You wouldn't be looking at it as this glass... <laughs> glass is half empty and almost over but you say we got two days of services how excited are you when you go to a feast meeting and you ain't got before services three or whatever it is we got well we got seven including now we had eight if you came this morning so there's plenty of time there's plenty of time to seek the lord and uh but i'm glad to be here and so i'm supposed to be brief but you gave me more thoughts. So I don't know. I mean, I can be brief, but she said that people had been given their testimony and experiences, right? Experience of test. Yes. And so nobody can take away from you your testimony or your experience. That is not something that they can give you or take it away from you. That is something you own and it's yours. And so my testimony of experience or whatever was that I went to Bayside High School. And so did you, and so did you. Yeah, so did you. Yeah. There's many here that went to this place that I went to high school. And as time went on, and I grew up in this same enclave of guys year after year after year after year after year, and we, of course, were entrenched in whatever we were doing, and we became closer and closer as time went on, I guess, and we all got to know each other, and it fingered out into several neighborhoods of of our area right through there, and time went on and as time went on um people started to diverge a little bit and people started picking up some some interests that you know different things in life well some of the interests that they were picking up were really bad not Not just like oh i got in trouble last night i'm talking really bad murder drugs it was bad and i made a decision I think it was 12th grade. I said, you know, I had already been to the altar and stuff. I said, but you know, I really got to make a decision here. And I, at that point in time, made conscious efforts to go a different path. I made conscious decisions. I remember at that point in time, I even switched the place where I was going to eat lunch during the day. Because I had to break away and make a choice in my life that I was going to go one path or the other. I'm so thankful that I had a church home who guided me enough and a family that guided me enough that I could make that decision. And so today I am here. Your preacher last night was great. 
Kenneth Cotton. So it's probably going to go downhill today. I mean, I, you know, so maybe we should have just stopped there. But here I am, and it's probably... But I love Kenneth, and I'm certainly glad for the instruction that he gave us. Some of the things that he talked about last night have been pretty easy for me to apply in my life. Some of the things he talked about last night, I need to brush up on. And so that's okay, because we need instruction. And I want to take it to heart. And I can tell you that uh, he talked about his marriage and how good that has been for him. And I got to thinking a little bit, back in the 80s, um, yeah, I had started dating, courting, Cindy, whatever the is the term courting, and I was in Norfolk with Kenneth, and he started liking Deanne. They were in Wilmington, and boy, we burned up Highway 17 together. Uh, it was just, it was not any trouble on the weekends, on the spur of a month, probably to your chagrin, probably. We were up and gone. Yeah, it was pretty easy to get a to get a car load to go to go. And those were good times. Yeah, They were good. In the service of the Lord. Yeah. That's the best step. Amen. God in the mix. Very thankful. Praise the He mentioned last night. He said, um, I guess paraphrasing what he said. Um, Well, my thoughts taken from what he said. Do you know that you can never erase a first impression? That is an impossibility. You don't get second chances on life. You don't get second chances on first impressions either. When you go out into the world, when you go out to whatever the situation might be, you, your family, you and your business, you and whatever, whatever the first impression is, you might be able to change someone's opinion of you through whatever you may do over a certain period of time. You can never erase the first impression. It's indelible. It's there. Once they get it, you can't take it back. It pays us to be ready all the time to be able to give a first impression, whatever that is in our life, that people may see holiness and godliness. Um, That's exactly right. So he said last night that maybe some of what he was talking seems to apply more to women than it does to men. Um, But we should all take it to heart. We should all take it to heart. But on that note, I can pick on my wife and she can get on to me later because I didn't ask her ahead of time if I could do this. But anyways, so the thought come to me was anyways, several years ago, we went to a funeral for. um, For Jay Collins, dad down near Havelock, North Carolina, we went to a visitation funeral. I think it was a visitation and we me, my wife. I had small children at the time. And so I'm here, you know. I'm Gene. You know, I don't probably make very good first impressions. I think I'm probably more of a people repellent than I am a people magnet. And so, but that is not the case with my wife. People gravitate to her a lot more. And she got to talking to a lady. And what church do you go to? She said, well, Holiness Church. So she said, well, I can tell that. You know, I, you didn't have to tell me that to begin with, that you went to Holiness Church. I got that part. So I want to be able to go out into the world and to live my life in such a way in taking instruction from his sermon last night Amen. that people would realize that we are a holiness church. The, stream, the song says without spot or wrinkle. And I want to take it to heart. Yeah. Anyways, let me get on to some of the scripture that I had in my mind. And 
before camp meeting, I was reading on a different subject. And then we got into camp meeting and they said, hey, you're, you're going to be speaking. I got to reading about something else. So my, you know, whatever, God just takes you wherever you're going to go. And uh, anyways, I think I really am the telephone. I don't think I'm the beach ball or the beach umbrella. I, man, I tell you, it's, it's, I think I preached at camp meeting about 30 years ago. So anyways, y'all, you're going to get what you get. But uh, in it, let me just read a few verses here. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the pro- proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Now listen to this. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So... Part of what I had keyed on was he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. I want to read you another scripture. Moving over to Corinthians. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers. Some of these positions we easily recognize. Very much on the front lines After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, and it goes on. But this gift of helps is extremely intriguing to me. Um, Giving of simplicity, being able to help somebody along life's way in whatever manner that you might be able to do that. Maybe it's through your holy living maybe it's through some other attribute that you might be able to to, you know characteristic of yours that might be able to be helpful to someone but whatever it is we need to do it whatever your hand finded to do it to do do it with all your might so i um i was intrigued by the scripture for year in and year out over a while and like gift of helps what in the world i mean we know that we have preachers we know we have teachers we know we have singers we know we have evangelists we know we have all of us what in the world and how do you fall into a gift of help well i'm almost beginning to think that if you don't have a gift of helps interspersed within your congregation interspersed within your community yeah you're gonna fall apart you gotta have it you gotta have it i mean it's so so important and so maybe maybe i have read too much into it i I don't know but i'm let me just give you some more scripture and and i have some that i've turned down um I'm just the thinking that the person who has the true help sometimes is not the person that always gets the accolade, which is probably the incorrect way that things should be done. I mean, it just seems that way. And I'll give you a scripture that kind of backs it up. This wisdom have I seen under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it, and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. So we have a very easy picture to paint, I think, if you were just painting a picture to put on someone's mind that there is a big army and there is a little city. And there is a lot of power. And in our day and time, big guns, big big airplanes, and there is a 
situation over here that's really, really defenseless. And so you would think the odds were every time, 100 out of 100, this big gun is going to take this little city. Going to happen. But guess what? That's not what this story concludes. It says, now there was found in this small city a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. So he had the ability to help in such a manner that he delivered his whole city. And the next part of the scripture says, nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Well, it seems so contrary to where we should be in this thing is to think that, oh, yes, we have people who have the ability to be on the front lines. And that is great because we need people who are good speakers. I'm not. We have people who are good singers. I'm not. We have people who are good at doing a lot of stuff on the front lines. But if we don't have a framework and a fabric work of people who can supply helps, you are never ever going to be able to further the gospel. It's not going to happen. And so I don't know how to get to that point, but I know that you've mentioned the scripture a lot about trying to give a cup of water and you will not lose your reward if you can just give a cup of water. Now that may not seem like a big sermon. That may not seem like a big splash, but if you can give somebody a cold cup of water and it helps them out, you You've gained a friend. You may have helped them out. You may have helped them to get through salvation to salvation. I don't know. Um, I, I'll give you a couple of experiences that I've had in, in the business world and stuff. But um, there's a company back in Greensboro. It's the D.H. Griffin Companies. Some of you have probably heard of them, especially if you're from the Carolina business world. And they are a large company. They are multi-state. They're one of the largest demolition contractors in the United States. They're headquartered in Greensboro. They're down the street from my house. Over the years, I've done right much work for them, for the father and the son, and I've gotten to know them. And um, they, when 9-11 happened, the son, David Jr., got in his car, and he drove to New York City. I'm a demolition contractor. I know what I'm doing. I'm coming up here, but he is from Hickville, Greensboro, North Carolina. He's not from New York City. He gets up there. The first thing they do is, we don't need your help. We don't need it. We got it under control. This is New York City. We got all the resources we're going to need. We know how to do this. We can plan this thing. We can so on and so forth. When it was all said and done, they called him into a meeting one day after they finally realized he might have known what he was talking about. They called him into a meeting one day and they said, the last demolition scenario that you put together that saved us so much money was pretty impressive and I'm paraphrasing I wasn't in the meeting and they said um, we would like to relinquish and let go all of the other demo contractor consultants that we have up here and we would just like for you to take over the whole business for us and help us get this thing taken care of he called his dad on the phone his dad told me the story later he said dad got to make this decision we're going to take it over all or we're not he said, well, I'm sure you'll do the best thing for the company, son. You got it, you know, we'll talk about it, whatever. He said, no, dad, you don't understand. I have like two hours to make this decision. This is 9-11. We're not 
right. fiddling around with this thing. We've got to make a decision now. So at the end of it all, the guy who they rebuffed his help to begin with because they thought he was some hick, I guess, from Greensboro, North Carolina. He didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Ended up running the whole thing for them, and he was the one who was responsible for all of the demo in New York City for 9-11 from that point forward. And he told me later, he said, it wasn't the biggest monetary gain. It wasn't all that, but they had six or eight people up there giving consulting services in order for them to be able to demo this situation in, in New York City. So we don't always know who's going to be the one giving you the help. We don't always understand um, right. where that's coming from. But if we rebuff the efforts of the people who are trying to give us the help, we're not going to get very far. But if we need to embrace them. So if I'm going to, if you're going to have an evangelical effort, if you're going to have a church service, if you're going to have a strong preacher, you've got to have some helps behind that in order for the gospel to be further. There's a, there's a, um, there's an attorney's office there in Greensboro that we do right much work with. And they've got some really good, high-powered attorneys. They're very good at the public speaking, and they do zoning cases, and they whatever. And, uh, but there's a guy in that office. His name is Desmond. And I had a client tell me one time, he's like, uh, you always want Desmond on your team. I've never heard the guy give a zoning case. I've never heard him give a public speech. I've never heard him do any of that stuff that his partners do. But they're like, uh, yeah, he's the smart one. He's the one that you want on your team. He's the one that's giving them the help. Right. And so if there's some way that we can tap into whatever help we have, I think we can really further this gospel. And what it really has kind of led me to think about was, um, i got to hurry here. So what it really led me to think about a little bit was, um, you know, there is another scripture here that I'll read. Jeff mentioned this the other day when he was uh, preaching at Miss Ola's funeral. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. So what I'm really thinking is that most of the time, the people you're getting the most help for might be the ones that are the quietest. Um, For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. And so I don't know where to take that, but I think that I am beginning to recognize as I get older and older exactly where this falls and exactly how important it is in order for us to be able to help someone along life's way, especially in their endeavor to get sanctified and to live a holy life as Brother Kenneth preached last night. Um, There was a, I read a news article. I have some other scriptures turned down, but I don't need to read them all. I read a news article earlier in the year and um, Supreme Court of United States of America, there's a justice that sits on there, Clarence Thomas, and I don't particularly know that much about the Supreme Court. I just happened to read this news article one day. And um, he doesn't say much. They said from 2006 to 2016, he asked no questions from the bench. Not one. He, I think he made one comment on a joke or something, but he made no questions of any case that was presented to them in all of his Supreme Court hearings from 2006 to 2016. In 2016, a gun rights case came before them, and he spoke up and asked a question. The question was a great question. Anyone one of them could answer, but guess what? Everybody took notice. The news article was astounded. Everybody took notice of what this guy said. He chooses his words. 
He doesn't waste them. And when it came time to ask a very important question of the case, he spoke up and asked his question. Everybody was astounded. Everybody listened to what the guy had to say. And so if we choose our words and are able to provide help when we need it, and maybe we can help someone along life's way, maybe somebody will listen if we will just speak the word in a timely manner when God gives it to us. Maybe we can be of help to someone. And uh, you can go back in your spiritual life and over your, your life, and I guarantee you, you can find somebody who's been a help to you. Got to. There's got to be somebody out there that you can say, they really helped me along my life's way. They really gave it to me. Now, we get a lot of great sermons, and that helps me, and we get a lot of good meetings, and that helps me, and altar services, that helps me, evangelical efforts, that helps me. It helps me to attend service. But sometimes there's something behind the scene that really nobody else really kind of understands that has put you in a better position to serve the Lord than what you were before. And I see Miss Janie sitting here. I'm probably going to cry here. But how many times as a kid did... Gosh. Yeah. yeah, it was so much. Hi. And then you begin to think about that later on in life yeah. to know how much did that mean to you? How much did that help you along life's way? Showing you the love of God. Amen. Thought about this song. I'm going to live the way he wants me to live. I'm going yes. to give until there's just no more to give. Yes, yeah, I'm going to love, love till there's just no more love. Right, right. I could never, never outlove the Lord. So where does that take you in life? I don't know. You don't know how many times Amen. I get a phone call and my wife will say, you're going to think I'm crazy. But can we do so-and-so? Can we try to help somebody out? Yeah. And so it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we're not in a position. But if you have an opportunity to give a cup of cold water in God's name, Amen. you will get a reward. You will. Amen. Y'all pray for me.